0: Christ is risen, alleluia. He is risen indeed, alleluia. It's a traditional Easter greeting among Christians. So I say Christ is risen, alleluia, and you say? He is risen indeed, alleluia. Let's do it one more time for Father. Christ is risen, alleluia. He is risen indeed, alleluia. Happy Easter, everyone. We are here on Easter Sunday morning to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord from the tomb, his rising from the dead. And the last final words of our gospel reading this morning are, they did not yet understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. They didn't understand that he had to rise from the dead. How could they understand? I mean, think about what it must have been like for them. Put yourself in their shoes. Imagine everything that they had witnessed in their time following Jesus. The miracles, the healing of lepers, the restoring of sight to the blind. The lame were walking, the mute were speaking. A dead man walked out of his tomb at Christ's command. These are all signs that the promised Messiah who would come to save his people had arrived. So no wonder Peter proclaimed, we have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. Now, think about all of the events that we've commemorated over this past week. Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, hailed as king, the son of David, his celebration of a somewhat different kind of Passover where there is no lamb, where he institutes a new ritual not by sacrificing a lamb but by breaking the bread. Think of his arrest later that night, his rushed trial. And think about his unthinkable torture and public execution those who follow him scattered. I mean, we thought he was the one, but how could he be? How could the promised Messiah come to such a humiliating end? How could he save others when he can't even save himself? But it was strange, wasn't it? How the sky grew dark for three hours in the middle of the day. The way that the earth shook as he hung from the cross. And how the veil that obscured the Holy of Holies was torn in two as he breathed his last. And now they say his tomb is empty. Dare we believe? Mary Magdalene was the first one to see it. She had been with him until the end. She had helped to prepare his body for burial in that borrowed tomb. But they had to rush because the Sabbath was near. And so now that the Sabbath is over, she returns to that tomb in the very early morning hours to finish anointing his torn and his beaten body. Because even in death, she longed to be close to him, to give him that loving service. But when she gets there, The stone is rolled back. The slab where his precious body rested is bare. And her heart drops. So she runs to Peter and she says, They've taken the Lord, and we do not know where they put him. Because they did not yet understand that he had to rise from the dead. Do we? Do we understand? Do we understand all the mysteries that we've commemorated over these past three days of the great Triduum, the mysteries that we share in through our baptism and confirmation and the Eucharist? We're gathered here on Easter morning to celebrate that empty tomb, that bare slab, that great mystery. But do we really understand that before the author of life could conquer death, he had to engage it in combat? Before Easter, there had to be a Good Friday. You know, St. Paul calls the crucifixion of our Lord a stumbling block for the Jews and foolishness for Gentiles. And even though the resurrection is by far the clearest sign of his divinity, it's the death of Jesus Christ that remains an obstacle to so many who just can't believe that God would die on a cross. God's too powerful. God's too perfect. He's too majestic to endure anything so ignoble. And so the Gnostics and the Muslims and other heretical sects, they all come up with their own version of Christianity without the cross because they don't understand that God had to rise from the dead. But to those who are called, St. Paul goes on to say, the cross is the wisdom and the power of God. So I ask again, do we understand? The great Paschal mystery that we celebrate today, and indeed every Sunday, is this. That God became man in Jesus Christ in order to suffer, die, and rise from the dead. And he did this out of love for us. But do we understand why? Do we understand this great gift? that we've been given. So today, on this morning of the resurrection, I want us to reflect on what it means to be alive, what it means to exist at all. I mean, we're all here because God gave us this precious gift of life. And why would God give us something that he didn't wish us to fully possess? God is the source of all life. Everything that exists, exists Because God, the only uncreated being, the great I am, gives it a share in his existence. In the book of Wisdom it says, he fashioned all things that they might have being, and the creatures of the world are wholesome. Or the way it's put in Genesis, God looked at everything he had made, and he found it very good, very good. And out of all the very good things that God made, the very best thing is man, whom God made in his very image, male and female, he created them. We are made in the image of divine life, which is eternal life. But God told our first parents, Adam and Eve, that if they disobeyed him, and if they ate the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they would surely die. And this is indeed what happened. This was not the punishment of an angry God, but it's a natural consequence of sin. To sin is to turn away from God, which means to sin is to turn away from the source of life. And that's why St. Paul writes that the wages of sin is death. If we break our communion with God, we separate ourselves from the source of life. And so we begin to die. We begin to die. And this creates a problem. Now obviously it's a problem for us, but it might not be immediately clear why this should be a problem for God. God doesn't need us, after all. God lacks nothing in himself. But God did not make us for death. The book of wisdom says God did not make death death. And God formed man to be imperishable. So it's unthinkable, then, that God would just abandon us to death. That out of all the good things that he made, the creatures that he made to share in his own divine image would just perish and fade into nothingness. It's unthinkable. But God said that if we sinned, we would die. And it's equally unthinkable that anything said by God would not be true. That's the problem. God made us like himself, and therefore we must live. We broke communion with God, and therefore we must die. It seems like a paradox. But nothing is impossible for God. God resolves this paradox by himself becoming man by uniting humanity with divinity in Christ Jesus so that he might suffer the consequences for our sin. Though sinless, Jesus knew what it was to be separated from God as he cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Christ emptied himself by becoming fully one of us. And by so doing, he gained mortality. By becoming man, the immortal God gained the ability to die. But that's only part of the equation. Jesus is man, and as man he died, one perfect man for the sake of all. But he is also God, and as God, death has no claim on him. The shackles of death cannot hold the author of life. This creates another seeming paradox. How can life itself undergo death? That seems impossible. But again, nothing is impossible for God. For God, this is not a problem. For death, it is. This is why Christ is the conqueror of death. Because by his death, Jesus redeemed us from our sins and he paid the price for our salvation. And by his rising, he vanquishes the power of death so that it no longer has a claim on us who are united with him. Death itself is unmade by God and reformed into something new. So that all who share in Christ's death will also share in his resurrection. And this is the mystery that we celebrate today. This is the spiritual reality that's made present in the sacraments of the church. In baptism, we descend into the tomb and arise as new creations in Christ. In confirmation, his sacred anointing is poured out upon us. We become little Christs, little anointed ones like him, by sharing in his spirit. And in the Eucharist, which we will celebrate here in a moment, we share even now in that heavenly banquet, being nourished, By his divine life. Death entered the world when Adam ate the fruit of the tree of knowledge, but death is vanquished when Christ, the new Adam, himself becomes the fruit hanging from the tree of life, which is the cross. And whereas that deadly fruit was forbidden to us, the fruit of life is given freely. Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Just as I have life because of the Father, Jesus says, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. They did not understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. But they came to understand through their encounters with the risen Lord. So let it not be said of us we who bear the name of Christian, that we do not understand that Christ had to rise from the dead. This is our faith. This is the faith of the Catholic Church. Christ died because we were dead in our sin, and he rises to give us eternal life. He rises as the firstborn of a new creation. His rising is the dawn of a new day, a day on which the sun will never set, a day into which we are baptized into as members of his body this is the day the lord has made let us rejoice and be glad